We're in our study of the book of Daniel, and the theme that I have kept emphasizing, and for some we understand it, and for some we kind of forget it, is that we live in a foreign and an alien land, that the culture is not ours, even if we're born in this country, because we are citizens of heaven and this is not our home and we are in the world but not of the world and there are times that that becomes very apparent when the world does even crazier things than they do and we just don't feel like we belong and then sometimes we kind of forget that we live in a foreign land and, and things go up or we kind of think that we live in a DMZ now, for those of you who don't know what those letters mean, a demilitarized zone. We kind of think that we just live in a area that there's no strife or conflict. It's just at peace. Daniel is going to show us that we do not live in a DMZ, that there is conflict that is happening, that there is spiritual warfare, and that even when we seem to be at peace, there isn't peace. And so in Daniel chapter 10, starting with verse 1, it says this, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. So we are reintroduced into this, and this says it's the third year of Cyrus, what that says by implication that it has now been a couple of years since people from the Persia empire and Babylon have been allowed to go back to Jerusalem. Cyrus in the first year issued a decree. And so uh, many of the people who wanted to go back to Jerusalem and to Judea were starting to go. Daniel at this point is not a young man. Daniel is probably in about 85 years of age. He's still active in ministering with the king, but he's probably at a spot where he goes, I'm not going home because of my advanced years. However, he also understands that things are not going smoothly back home. And all, to get an idea of that, all you have to do is read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther to see how the people of God were having great difficulty, not only rebuilding the temple, but the city, but also in the book of Esther, how, they, how Nahum wanted to eliminate all of the Jews. And so there was still great conflict there. And Daniel has been praying and, and seeing this, this message and this conflict. And it's a great conflict. Verse 2, it says, In those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks, and did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or any wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Now, Daniel doesn't do a typical fast in the sense of, okay, I'm not going to eat certain foods or whatever. He, it's kind of a, a, a fast based on for lack of a better word, depression. Some of us, when we get depressed or upset, we eat. 
And some of us, when we get depressed and upset, don't eat. Kind of Daniel looks to be in that second group who he's affected by what he has seen in the vision and the great conflict that is happening and is going to happen. And he is pouring out his soul to the Lord. And it is not a, if you will, a formal fast, but one that just says, I'm not treating my body as if it was nothing unusual that there are times. And so I'm not eating tasty food and I'm not eating meat or wine. I'm not enjoying myself because of this great perceived difficulty that the people of God have. And he does this for three weeks. Now, if we just stop there, you might say, well, his plan fast was 21 days. And therefore, it was over at 21 days. We're going to see that, no, the reason he concluded the fast was because of something that's not going to happen. If it was, if what didn't happen until the 22nd day or the 23rd day or the 30th day, I suspect Daniel would have continued on in this. He only stopped because of what's going to happen next. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body was also like burl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet were like the gleams of polished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell upon them, and they ran away to hide. And so I was left alone and saw this great vision, and yet no strength was left in me, for my natural color turned into a deathly pallor, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. So we have this one who is a heavenly visitor, one that is by all appearance to be an angel. Now, some say that they think that it's a pre-incarnate, a theophany, a pre-incarnate Christ. I don't think so because of the, what we will see. And I think it's an angel. It's an angel who has come to deliver a message to Daniel in this message, the only one who sees the angel is Daniel. The people who are with him feel this great terror and they just run away. They don't know why they're afraid. They don't know why they didn't, but they take off not seeing the visitor. It's kind of, if you will, like when Paul was on the road to, to Damascus and was knocked off of his horse and he heard the voice and he saw but nobody else did. They just heard noise. And so these people who were with him didn't stick around to see what's going on. They just, something's not right. I'm out of here. And so Daniel's left alone, confronted by this heavenly visitor. But in coming in contact with this heavenly visitor, Daniel has no strength. He has no strength. One, partially because of his age, partially because of his fasting, but predominantly because he's come in contact 
but the heavenly visitor. And so he falls to his face on the ground. The verse 10, then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright for I have been now sent to you. So this angelic, this heavenly being gets Daniel up on his hands and his knees, gets him up and says, be strengthened so that you might understand the words that I'm saying to you. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. Now, here's something very interesting. On the first day that Daniel started praying on that 21 day fast and request, his words were heard. The first day. But you see, most of us have a microwave theology. Well, I prayed. How come it didn't happen? Well, I prayed. Notice one thing. The first day. So it wasn't like Daniel's prayed. And after 21 days, God said, okay, well, he really means it. So I'll give him an answer. No, the first day that he started setting his heart on the matter, God heard and sent a response. Second thing, Daniel is considered somebody to be listened to. He's highly esteemed. We'll see this further. So it's not like, oh, well, Daniel had to get right with God. No, Daniel was beloved. And the response came sent on the first day. So he comes, so God heard your words, and I have come in response to your words. God sent me to you because God heard you. Here's a little bit of comfort. Just because you don't get an answer immediately doesn't mean God didn't hear. Just because you don't get an answer immediately doesn't mean God doesn't value you. Daniel, pretty important guy. Daniel, in the entire book, we never see one bad thing mentioned of him. And yet, it's 21 days later. But, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. I was coming to you, but there was spiritual opposition. The one who, not the king, not the Cyrus and all those, but the princes of the powers of the spiritual dark forces withheld me. There was opposition there. And that is why it took me 21 days to get to you. 
which again, I want us to rem remember that we, like Daniel, don't live in a demilitarized zone. Yes, Persia was an empire, and yes, Persia was at semi-peace, if you will. It doesn't mean there's not conflict happening. And so the prince of Persia, the kingdom of Persia, was withstanding him for 30, 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. But now I have come to you to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. So this angelic, for instance, I came, God heard you 21 days ago, but it's taken me 21 days to get to you. You're highly esteemed, but I've come here to give you understanding of what's going to happen. And I needed help. So Michael, who seems to be an archangel, who seems to also be the one who is, if you will, in charge of the people of God, Israel, comes and helps so that this angel can get to Daniel. So there was a the reason for a delay. So when God doesn't seem to answer you right away. It may not be because he didn't hear. and It may not be because you're not valuable. There may be additional conflict happening. Paul tells us this in Ephesians. And I'd like you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 10 through 17. Some of the ladies in our church uh, studied this passage um, a few months ago. And so this will be uh, just a shortened version of that study. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So Paul is telling us that we need to be strong in the Lord, not strong in our own strength, but strong in the Lord and in his might. And we need to put on his armor so that we will be able to stand firm against the schemes, the plans, the devious attacks of Satan. And this is the verse I want you to look at. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You see, we are deceived when we think the enemy is somebody else. And Satan loves to turn churches against each other and this member against that member and to fight and to complain and to criticize and be bitter and think that, well, if that person only did this thing, then the church would be better. And we get our eyes and arguments on each other. And Paul is saying, that's not where the fight is. The fight is with spiritual forces. We are brothers and sisters. We are not the enemy. And even people who aren't believers are not necessarily the enemy. They're just 
the pawns used by Satan and his schemes to get our eyes off of what's really happening because it's a spiritual battle and we do not live in a DMZ. We live in places where even at times when we may think that it's at peace, that there's a battleground. There are times that I have come and we call this place a sanctuary. And it is. And there are times that I like to come in here all by myself and pray and just be quiet and, and not even pray. Just let the sanctuary aspect of it to be here. But there are also times that I see this place as a battlefield. Where people sit in these pews and will outright reject not what I'm saying, but what God has to say. Or those who will think it's true, but if I give my God, my life to God, then it, it, I can't do what I want to do. And, and they struggle just hoping for the service to be over and then leave. There is a battlefield that goes on here that sometimes we don't know. So yes, it's a sanctuary, but even in this sanctuary, it is a battle zone. And I think we need to be aware of that. Come in prayer, understanding that God needs to be victorious, even in this place that we assume he's going to be. For our struggle, struggle. It's not easy. It's not, well, okay, well, I'll wait till it's over. It's a struggle. Not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of weaknesses in heavenly places. And that's what this angel was saying to Daniel. I came and I was sent the very first day you started, but it took me 21 days to get here. And it took spiritual help to get me here. So maybe when our prayers seem to be answered in delay, we ought to say, Lord, what's the fight going on? How can I be a part of it to win the battle? Therefore, take up the full armor of God. And don't take, don't take up part of it because Satan's very well. So you take the shield, your legs are vulnerable. You take the shield, your head's vulnerable. And Satan knows where you're vulnerable. Because if you've ever tried to do something for God, and you start out to do it, and then he comes up and says, uh, no one will listen to you, so why do you want to do that? Teach Sunday school? Kids, you don't even like kids, so why would you teach Sunday school? He gives you all these reasons not to do things, and then you start doubting yourself. You go, I guess I'm not qualified. And you get defeated. So you take the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. You see, you can have the full armor of God and you can walk around and say, oh, this is cool. But it's not the evil day. It's not the battle. And having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm. 
Prepare yourself for the battle. Prepare yourself so that you stand firm against his schemes. And then determine, I'm not retreating. I'm standing firm. Satan, you can say what you want. I'm standing firm. Yeah, you're right. I'm no good. I'm standing firm. Yeah, you're right. I'm a sinner. I'm standing firm. Yeah, you're right. God shouldn't have chosen me, but he did. I'm standing firm. Because our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's against him. Having girded your loins with truth and having put on the full the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We fight. There is a fight going on. Some see it. Some don't. Daniel was made fully aware of it by his visitation. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 10. Verse 15. When he had spoken to me, according to these words, I turned and faced towards the ground and became speechless. And behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing before me, O oh my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. This person is, I've seen the vision and I understand it. And it is horrible. It's terrible. The future is terrible for my people, for your people. So much so that it just wipes me out. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? He's saying, I'm so weak. I can't even talk about it. Why are you even bothering with me? As for me, there remains now just no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. I'm not up to the fight. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me and said, O oh man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Reading those words ought to bring your memory to someone who was told to take the battle to the enemy. And his name was Joshua. He was told over and over to be courageous, to be courageous, to be courageous. And Daniel is told, yes, what you see is horrible, but be courageous. Be of courage and notice he is of high esteem. And you might say, well, you know, Daniel might be of high esteem, but you know, me, eh, not so much. Let me tell you how much high esteem God views you. He sent Jesus to die for you. 
So how much higher esteem can God hold you than that? So do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage and be courageous. Now, as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. I heard what you said. I heard what you said. And I am strengthened by it. I am courageous. I'm ready to go. Oh, that the people of God would hear the word of God. And that strengthened them and give them courage and peace. But the truth is, when you hear the word of God, that strengthens you, gives you courage, and gives you peace. May, the, may my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you understand why I came to you? I came to let you know that God has heard you, that God understands your concern for your people. But God is in control. God not only is in control, if you will, wrote the play, knows exactly all the parts, how is it going to go, and how is it going to end. I came that you would understand why I came, but I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so that I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. So he's saying, I can't stay with you. I've, I've, I've come to encourage you, to strengthen you, to give you peace and to give you courage. But I got to go back because the battle's not done. I'm going to go back and fight the princes of Persia. But there's also another enemy coming, the princes of Greece, that kingdom, which the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, and then the Greek Empire are all going to have devastating impacts on the people of God. And there's a fight happening, and this one's gone back to the fight. So the question is, since we aren't in a DMZ, what are you going to do with the rest of the battle? Now, the war is won. Jesus won the battle. He has the victory. But there is a mopping up operation that's required. And we can either sit on the sidelines. Or we can say, I'm going to get the full armor of God. And understand who the enemy is and fight them and not the ones that Satan tries to get me looking at. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writing of truth. Yet there is one who stands firmly with me against these forces. There's no one who stands firmly with me against these forces, except Michael, your prince. There's a battle going on. Unfortunately, doesn't seem like there are many who want to be on God's side. So the question is, whose side do you want to be on? On the side of one who says, well, when I tell God what to do, God does it. 
the Santa Claus God, where I give him my list of things that he's supposed to do for me, then answer me pronto. Or are you one who says, I am simply a servant of the most high God. He can tell me what to do and I will do that. And even when he tells me what to do and I do that, I'm an unprofitable servant because I only did what he told me to do. I want you to understand in this passage, prayer is valuable. Prayer may not be instantaneous in our response, but it doesn't mean God didn't hear you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't respond to you. But you also might need to understand that there might be a greater conflict than you understand. So maybe you've been praying for one and you don't understand why God just doesn't change that person. Because if God changed that person, everything would be wonderful. Well, maybe there's a whole lot of battle going on that you just don't see. Just as there's a conflict in kingdoms, there can be a conflict of individuals. So maybe what we need is to continue the fight. And part of that fight is prayer. And part of that fight is acknowledging that we need to be prepared by having the word of God by being prepared and not getting our eyes on people around the spiritual forces of darkness that we might fight them. It is so sad. I don't know about other denominations, but it seems that there have been more Baptist denominate churches formed by church splits than intentional. How sad that a group of people start another church because they didn't like the group of people they left. And what happens is when you leave a group of people you didn't like to start another group of people, guess what will happen? Pretty soon you won't like those people. And you'll either start a new church or you'll find another church. That's not victory. That's letting the Satan divide and conquer us. So when churches are ready to start new churches, it should be intentional and it should be with the desire of spreading his word, not getting rid of the people you don't like. So the next time you pray, which may be this afternoon, or a year from now. And if God doesn't answer right away, think of Daniel and think maybe something's happening that you just don't see yet. But continue to seek the word of God. Lord, speak, send me someone to give me understanding of what's happening 
so that I can trust you more, that I can have peace, that I can have understanding, and I can have courage. Because let's face it, we need that. There was a group of people with Daniel who didn't know what they were afraid of, but ran away. Daniel knew why he was afraid. But the word of God gave him strength. Seek his word. Seek his peace. Seek his strength. And all God's people said,